Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is sitting across the table from me, giving me dangerous looks. Jorna is <laughs> a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Uh, that was quite the introduction. Thanks <laughs> and glad to be here, I think, Matt. Yes, you're welcome. And uh, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What are you talking about? We are recording Wednesday <laughs> afternoon, not our usual Thursday morning time. So. Yeah, Robert just Robert awoke. was trying to adjust to when the podcast listeners might hear us. <laughs> so anyways, we're really glad uh, you chose to join us again this week. And we have a number of topics we're going to talk about, um, including the appeals court uh, ruling on early voting. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, WEDEC, we have to talk about that. We had a big event in Sherman Park this week. We'll tell you more about that. We're going to talk about education uh, scores came out about the ACT, a, excuse me, the ACT scores came out this week, and Wisconsin numbers are down. There's some reasons behind that. We'll talk a little bit more about that. There's also a teacher shortage that we want to briefly mention, and uh, we've got a little politics. We're going to talk about the Wisconsin women of Trump that were announced this week, and uh, we'll talk a little more about Trump's campaign being shook up. We briefly mentioned that last week, but Jorna wants to talk a little more about that. And we have Paul Ryan watch. So we're going to get started by talking about the appeals court ruling this week that allows early voting. This Monday, the federal appeals court kept in place a judge's ruling that would allow essentially any community, including Milwaukee and Madison, which are moving ahead, to kick off early voting uh, to do early voting earlier, expand the hours, and also to expand the number of locations. So this is obviously very good news for people who care about access to voting. Jorn, I know you're our resident uh, expert in this area outside of our lawsuit, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. I, I got to tell you, I was a little surprised. I didn't know that this was going to happen, and it's obviously very good news. It's great news, and you know I don't want to get into the specifics because it's very confusing of the which judge said that this part of the invalidated of the appeals court. But the good news here is that for November eighth, they will allow early voting to begin as late as as early as the um, end of September, and this is a huge victory because we're expecting really high turnout, and for folks who have to work and for folks who can't take off the time to stand in line on election day and to make voting, oh wait, more accessible in our democracy, this is a phenomenal thing to have this opportunity to do in-person absentee, which is Wisconsin's form of early voting, uh, and increase the number of people who have a say in our democracy since it's so convenient on a Tuesday in November. So, so and it's gonna stay. This is like, this is the ruling, it's gonna stay. That Attorney General Brad Schimmel is dropping any any attempt to prevent this from happening. We found that out yesterday. In Tuesday. the immediate future, In, right now, as it relates to <laughs> not November to this 9th. fall. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's important. Madison's already announced that they'll be starting their early voting. What September twenty sixth? I think it something was something along there. Yeah, and and that they're going to expand locations. Uh, I think we're talking about the uh, number, University of Wisconsin. Uh, what's the other college out there? Uh, I can't remember the small little college. They might Edgewood. Even, Edgewood. 
Um, and we're the waiting. The MATC. There you go. We're waiting to hear about Milwaukee. Uh, word is that that information uh, actually may come out by the time this podcast is out. But we're expecting Milwaukee to also follow suit with Madison and have uh, voting as early as late September and potentially also be expanding locations. Robert, your thoughts? I think people should be required to vote on Tuesdays and take horses and carriages <laughs> along mud roads and take the whole day to do so in order to vote because. That was the way it was when the Constitution was framed. You sound very anti-horse there, Robert. <laughs> I take offense. Uh-oh, she's very sensitive on the horse matter. So, of course, in modern society, we should make it easier to vote, and we should adapt to the modern workplace, people's complicated lives, etc. In fact, we should go further than early voting. We should have the people. We should have the ability to vote to do it without going in. Vote you can mail. bank yeah. with your phone, right? You don't have sure. to go into the bank branch anymore. So this is a step forward. We know the restrictions were not for any basis of equity which they claimed, but as the uh, federal judge, Judge Peterson, found in our lawsuit, it was intentional racial discrimination. And it's good that the appeals court has, is not going to intervene, and it's good that the attorney general has finally relented and will not pursue the case any further. And so this makes it more likely that people will be able to vote. Of course, photo ID is still in place because of the actions of another appeals court, and so there's still going to be confusion, still some people disenfranchised. But anything that, impro that improves access to democracy and democracy is a good thing. I I know that sounds trite, but it has to be said. And I want to remind our listeners, because there's so much change here and it's very confusing to the average voter, and we can imagine the voter who doesn't get out regularly, we're going to have an aggressive volunteer program where we're going to be calling, particularly Milwaukee, a lot of voters who don't traditionally vote, and letting them know about these early voting changes, also offering them rides to vote early. And so if you'd be interested in getting involved in that program, uh, please contact Luz, that's L-U-Z, Sosa, S-O-S-A, at citizenactionwi.org. We really want to encourage you to get involved in helping get out the vote and making sure folks are informed about all these changes. Because it is confusing, right? I mean, we've had back and forth, back and forth. And as you mentioned, Robert, there's still one other case out there that there's still maybe another ruling on around the affidavits. We're not, we're not optimistic that that's uh, going to go our way, but uh, we're, we're still probably going to have another ruling. So this is all very confusing. Well, I think that's up to the U.S. Supreme Court. So I, I, I think that that's probably... Probably done. Jordan, Jordan, not going to hear right. about yeah, it between now and the election. Remember, remember the gonna. Supreme Court has been sabotaged as a four-to-four, four, <laughs> which was not intended. The founding uh, fathers uh, actually wanted an odd number so you Wait, could make decisions. I thought that they wanted obstructionist Republicans that didn't do confirmation. That's right. Well, actually, they were against parties altogether, but uh, I digress. So we are going to, <laughs> with that digression, we're going to... We're going to digress to WEDEC. We never talk about WEDEC on this uh, show. Never, never. Well, look, um, Robert, last week, I think we broke the information. We, we had to say what the acronym is, right? Yeah, well, Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. And for those listeners who uh, have not been listening and just downloading for the last three or four years. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. We're <laughs> glad to have you. My name's Matt, and Jordan is over there, and this is Robert <laughs> over here. And uh, Walker's, basically, Walker's failed jobs agency, privatized, semi-privatized uh, jobs agency. And last week, we broke the the news and talked about the research that we had done that essentially found that the claimed jobs that uh, WEDEC had claimed in the Sherman Park neighborhood, oh, over 400 jobs, actually don't exist. And so, Robert, this week uh, Citizen Action had a big event with a lot of uh, elected officials and 
a number of community partners and allies around this data. Why don't you tell us a little more about it? Yeah, and let me give the podcast uh, listeners a little inside dope that has been the press on this. So obviously people know that in Sherman Park, which is not the poorest neighborhood in Milwaukee, actually, where civil unrest took place, has been a lot of discussion by us and many others and people in the media about the lack of economic opportunity and how deindustrialization, uh, man-made deindustrialization, might point out, has destroyed opportunity. And so with, by removing manufacturing jobs and replacing them either with poverty wage jobs or in many cases, nothing. And that this is, and this is why people are frustrated and why they feel abandoned and why, because they have no hope, no opportunity. And so once that discussion was underway and we'd had, we'd had the civil unrest, our organizing director, Kevin Kane, being relentless as he is, uh, was punching around on the WEDEC impact maps and found that they'd claimed to create four day three jobs in Sherman Park and then dug further and couldn't find these jobs in Sherman Park. In fact, they're in places like Heartland. Deception, lies. Oh, I think I think yes. he misread the number. It was four point <laughs> eight three jobs. Four eighty three is nothing compared to the need, even if they were there. Okay, and in fact, the pinpoints on the map were like in residential areas. Not that we want those nice houses torn down, but there were no jobs created there. And so we put that out last week, and then this week we had a big community event with a lot of key elected leaders there uh, from the legislature and the city council and, and leading community leaders, people from the faith community, et cetera, that spoke out about this. But we don't want to get distracted by the question of were there 483 jobs or zero jobs. I will say that uh, Mark Hogan, the uh, CEO of WEDEC, uh, responded to us. And so we, we, we got a hold of that yesterday and they sent it out to the media. They did not respond to us directly, but they respond. They said our things, and you can get a link to this uh, in, in links to the press release that Brian will provide, uh, that what we said was false and misleading, and then you keep going, blah, 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 blah. And then it was mistakes on the, by the geocoding on the map, and it tried to blame UW and UW, Madison and Whitewater, uh, and that when the address was uh, not given and when there was a P.O. box, then it tried to approximate so, Wait, I'm sorry. Sherman Park is right next door to Heartland. Right. Having and so grown up in Heartland. we have an agency that has P.O. boxes for where the jobs they're supposed to be creating are based on this. And so, by the way, <laughs> on top of that, they had like they have little cute little analyses of every assembly and senate district, how many jobs. Well, all the errors were in there, too. So it wasn't just the map though the response would make you think it was just the map. Then it proceeds, uh, Ms. CEO Hogan does, into this long list of great things they're doing in Milwaukee since they were created in 2011. And you get on the list, I won't go through all of it, uh, you count up the jobs, they claim to have created 700 jobs in Milwaukee. Again, the point being here, whether it's 483 or zero or 700, it's not nearly enough and there's no strategy whatsoever. And so that really what the community call is not to fix the map and to, and to admit zero, which would be nice, but to actually say, what is WEDEC's plan to restore opportunity in the industrial core of Milwaukee and all the other places like Racine, Janesville, northern Wisconsin, and the, in the Northwoods that don't have enough family-supporting jobs? Because there's no strategy whatsoever. There's nothing other than handing out money to uh, campaign donors, basically, who are CEO campaign donors. Well, my question, Robert, is this the first time that Mr. 38% approval rating, a.k.a. Governor Walker, has uh, pulled this shell game with his, uh, with his 
pseudo jobs agency because I, I recall a campaign promise from 2012 during the recalls where he said he was going to bring all these jobs down in the 30th Street Quarter redevelopment and then they counted jobs all across the city to claim victory thereafter. So, um, Oh, they're still claiming in their rebuttal that they're, that, that whole yes. project's going to create 700 jobs. That's where the 700, alleged 700, comes that's, from. And that's the only jobs that they claim creating. So In this great, wonderful response, which Gosh. you'll enjoy reading, it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic, I guess, kind of thing. So, yes. And what's amazing is, I mean, in an ironic sort of way, this sort of conservative misuse of government, remember, they privatized the Department of Commerce. We warned in press conferences before they passed it, this would be a disaster. We understated the extent of the disaster. Every time a job is created anywhere, there are three jobs in a coffee shop somewhere. WeDeck claims victory, right? And everything's an attempt to claim that they're being successful. No hard edge analysis of what is the job gap? What is happening to opportunity in Wisconsin? How might we fix it? It'd be nice if they'd say, we need more resources, we need this, we need that, here's what a real strategy and it would involve. No, nothing like that. It's just flim-flam PR in hopes they can create this kind of Potemkin village to re-elect Governor Walker in 2018. So the extra person that my mom hired in Door County this summer for her jewelry store, that was a WEDEC employee They have a job? St statistic called Jobs Impacted. Okay, great. And so if they, like, uh, contribute to a streetscaping outside mm. of that coffee shop, then that's a job impacted. I, I'm, I'm impacted. pretty sure my mother was are, impacted. All three jobs are jobs <laughs> impacted. I'm sorry, that, that dot is in Peshtigo. <laughs> so, really, I mean, the big thing here is, and I think, Robert, you've mentioned this, but, look, this, this whole flashpoint with Sherman Park, we talked about it last week, it really does provide an opportunity to... To, to reevaluate what do we need to do to really create opportunity in the areas where it's it's least available and I you know the the, the event this week a, a number of really great conversations occurred you know as, aside from the press conference and after the press conference and I think there's going to be some some interesting activity and proposals that may come out of this uh, this co coalition that really wants to get serious about how do we start to propose some things that could be to scale to try to address the magnitude of what Milwaukee faces. So we look forward to hopefully having some um, some relationships that blossom out of this uh, tragic experience that could actually lead to something. And it's exactly the kind of thing we think Citizen Action ought to be uh, playing a leadership role in. And we will have further information. I'm going to work on a blog and I'm going to deconstruct the WEDEC response to show how damning it really is. So they'll be, they'll stay tuned for more on this on our website and in future podcasts. So with that, we need to talk a little bit about education. Um, Jorna, you things are you, going well. You alerted right? you alerted uh, me to this. I had actually been so busy working on a few other things that I had completely missed the story about the ACT scores in Wisconsin. I think most people from Wisconsin are well aware that it's been a a, a test that you take your junior year. It's a college preparatory test and a number of particularly Midwestern colleges use the ACT in the same way they might use the SAT. And Wisconsin has always been one of the leading states in the country, if not number one, number two, usually Iowa and Wisconsin are going back and forth for the top scores on the ACT. Um, that has, has fallen. I believe last year we were second, um, and this year we fell to 11th. There's a number of different ways we can be ranked. And 
part of this is more people are taking the ACT, uh, not only nationally, but radically in Wisconsin, where I believe it was 2015 legislation basically made it mandatory for all juniors. So that would means a lot of people who maybe are not college-bound are now taking the test, but we have uh, fallen significantly. Jorna, why don't you uh, take the lead on this for us? Well, I guess my, my question is, is our children still learning yeah. under the uh, Governor 38% approval rating uh, regime of cutting public education and teacher shortages and you know all of the scandals of him attacking our public education system in Wisconsin, but we're not going there at the moment, are we? Because he's just been so great here. Uh, I mean, look, it's a huge, it's a huge drop whether or not more students are taking the test. It is still a huge significant drop to go from second in one year to 11th in the next year. And while we could debate the merits of standardized testing um, all day long, it still is a widely respected test that, you know, I got into college on my ACT scores. We won't say what they were because I know Roberts were higher. (laughs) 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 But um, I don't embarrass you, Robert, you know, with my with my educational prowess. But (laughs) this is really this, I think, just really speaks to what the Republican agenda has done to education in Wisconsin. And we're seeing the results on you know, students across the state, which is really going to only lead to more of a brain drain and a plague on our education system and lead to fewer kids going to college, which is unfortunate. Yeah, Jorna, it, you know, it doesn't even matter uh, what changes have happened in terms of how many people have been taking the test, because even among states where all the students are forced to take the test, we're fourth, right? So you're, you're correct. There's, there's definitely some slippage here. I want to also bring up, you brought up the teacher shortage. There's been a number of stories that came out this week, including in La Crosse about on Alaska having a serious teacher shortage and a number of districts across the country. So we're definitely seeing the impacts of the attacks on uh, public education and certainly the cuts in funding. Robert? Well, so this is going to be a lot like the job counting. Remember where Governor Walker likes any data that supports his position and dislikes any that does not. And so he, he was running around the state for a long time saying, well, everything's fine despite all my cuts to education because the ACT scores are high. So now he has to change his narrative somewhat. It was absurd before, of course, because 18-year-olds in the last couple of years would have mostly gone to school and the education system unimpacted by Governor Walker. And so he's really taking credit for previous governors and previous legislatures. So now we're going to see perhaps some of the impact of Governor Walker, um, some of the impact, quite frankly, of, of testing more kids, but other, school, other states are testing more kids as well, so it's not just Wisconsin. Um, also, quite frankly, the, the growing inequality and the fact that there were that the kids who weren't being tested tend to be tend to be kids who were in in less funded schools, uh, living under more hardship in poverty, and therefore testing less well. So the fact that we've seen a dramatic increase in the number of kids eligible for free or reduced school lunch is now beginning to play out in the AT, ACT scores, and it will get worse unless we surprise, surprise, actually invest in education. Because Governor Walker thinks we should invest in things like large corporations and tax cuts for the wealthy, but that we don't need to invest in education and that will make it better. And if we scapegoat teachers and drive them out of the profession, that will make it better, which is of course absurd. 
but uh, that's the hypocrisy of his governing philosophy. Look, I expect we're going to be hearing a lot more about the teacher shortage. I think it's going to continue to grow, and as uh, everyone's headed back to school this week and next week, uh, this issue is going to become obviously more clear to parents as they see the growing class sizes. With that, Jorna, yes. we got to talk politics. Donald Trump, uh, this week it was announced that the women, the Wisconsin women of Donald Trump, I think, oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, it's Wisconsin women for Trump. I'd like that other title women better. Women of Trump. <laughs> the women of Trump. Uh, this is quite a crew. It includes uh, Darlene Wink, who's uh, convicted of doing campaign work for Scott Walker while working at the county executive office, and also another GOP operative who was given immunity to testify in the probe that led to the conviction of six people. And there's an illustrious array of right-wing conservative women. Jorna, why aren't you in this group? Come on, Dude, this I sounds know. like your I kind mean, of the pack. pearls and they the blonde like horses, hair. I hear. <laughs> The pearls and the blonde hair do usually give me away as a Republican <laughs> operative. Um, you know, I mean, this is a pretty star-studded lineup that uh, has former Lieutenant Governor Margaret Farrow. Ooh, yes. It has uh, River Hills Stepford wife Alberta Darling, State Another Senator Alberta one. Darling, yep. uh, and Mary Lazich of New Berlin. But, shockingly, there is someone missing. Hmm. Who is one of our top state's leaders who likes to use dolls to explain things? The woman that thinks <laughs> that people are going to marry lamps. <laughs> Rebecca? Rebecca for real. Yeah. Oh. Well, she for real ain't in this group. She for What's real going ain't. on? I mean, What's listen, like... On? Bex has just been missing from a lot of things and is really sort of uh, stepping away from Trump. I mean, first she went to the RNC convention and then she left uh, so that she, before she could cast her delegate vote for Trump. Um, and now she, old Bex is missing in action from this illustrious women of Trump here. Well, so, uh, you know. She's probably still upset that Ted Cruz is not the nominee. <laughs> well, Lord. I mean, Jorna, when you have coffee with her, what was she saying this week? <laughs> You know, I, I think she's on another, like, uh, trade mission to China or something. I, I unfortunately have not seen her recently, but I have noticed her glaring absence in the state. Well, I believe that this group must have been the brainchild of Stephen Bobanon, or what's his name? Bobanon. Bobanon, Bobanon, no. We're talking about the, the gentleman from Breitbart News who last week we announced was part of the shakeup and took over yeah. control of the Trump uh, campaign, which means we're doubling down on craziness, I assume, and this, uh, this grouping seems to be a good start for, for the Breitbart crew. Well, their previous crusade was to try to take Paul Ryan down. Didn't that work out well? Yes. Just for listeners, Breitbart News is kind of like the media trackers of the <laughs> national level. But it's, worse. And it's on steroids. <laughs> and so this is like real bottom feeder kind of stuff. So it is stunning. I mean, it is, you know, if you're P.T. Barnum, which is Trump, then why not, why not bring another circus master uh, in? in? Uh, so it's, it's, you wouldn't bring him in to appeal to moderate and swing voters. So it's unclear how he's involved with the continual announcement by Trump that he's going to be moderating his immigration views as nightly he does not <laughs> in speech after speech. Uh, so it's hard to know how this fits together, but in Trump world, it's not linear logic. This is sort of quantum logic, right, where, where things make sense differently. Well, it makes sense in that there's a, there's a real strong alignment ideologically, I think, with Breitbart, right? I mean, Breitbart is 
on the outsides of the mainstream right wing because he has this sort of anti-trade or he the the news organization sort of goes along with this very similar Trump anti-immigrant right. that they connect to trade right and and that's that's where they re- right where they really break from a, what you might describe as the mainline uh, conservatives like a, a Paul Ryan who are very pro free trade very corporatist right this is a this group has a, a you know they're 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 very suspect of the corporate agenda so that's sort of their one th- well that's that's that does seem to be a strand that would make yeah. sense why Trump would be be with them but Robert I think you're absolutely right it it definitely puts him out of the mainstream of really trying to go and capture additional voters my question to you all is you know, Trump's a media guy, right? First and foremost, this is a media service that's been growing. It's been growing in influence. It's been really, in some ways, becoming a challenge to Fox News. Do you see, and Trump has kind of gone after Fox News a little bit in, in this. Is there something maybe brewing here post-presidential where Trump is going to be a major bright kind of uh, right figure? At this point, this may increase his lead in Wyoming by 10 <laughs> points, but what does that get you? Well, the only thing a lot that... of trips to uh, music festivals or uh, no uh, film festivals. Well, or... the only thing that I can think of here is that you know Trump has banned so many other media outlets from following his presidential campaign and being at his events that he's got to have one at least that works for him that can still report on it look all I'm saying is that like this clown car that he keeps opening and closing you keep expecting something rational like that you'll have sad clown come out at some point instead you still just get crazy clown nope there is nothing rational there's going to be no pivot there's just going to be this fringe craziness for the rest of the campaign cycle and that's kind of exciting to me well, I believe Darlene Wink came out of the clown car uh, this week for the campaign. Well, she- I was confused by the women of Trump thing. I thought it, <laughs> me- I thought it meant the former wives that, well, I, that I, I understood. Yes, I well, I probably didn't do it justice. Uh, Jorna, you did mention our favorite person, Paul Ryan. Uh, what's been going on with Paul Ryan this week? What has he been up to? I haven't heard much from him. He's uh, been knocking on every door in his district. No, he hasn't actually cared about his district at all. Um, did anybody remember when you were in like grade school or high school, you played Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Where is Carmen? Where is Where Paul is Ryan? Where is Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan has been spending his August recess instead of at home listening to voters and hosting town halls and, you know, actually giving a rat's patootie about his constituents. He's been off courting donors and most recently was in Wyoming hosting a major donor retreat so that he can continue to raise money for his agenda instead of actually doing any sort of constituent relations or serving his district. Let's be clear. Paul Ryan has a lot of work to do raising money to try to... Uh, try to sever his caucus from Donald Trump atop the ticket. So he's busy raising money. I don't think we'll see much of him around here, <laughs> I just you? think we're going to see him continually be in non-swing states. So I, like he, they're going to crisscross in the yeah. air. So if Donald Trump is on the East Coast, Paul Ryan will be on the West. So with that, we need to move to our furloughs. Robert, I... We, we we know the last few weeks you've been uh, going down to Chicago and your mom has not been doing great. We hope she's doing better. Do we do we have something something in the off uh, offing for this weekend? Well, and it's Wednesday, so I'm not planning oh, furloughs. Oh. Uh, but but look, my mom's probably going to be discharged on Friday, so That's I need great. to hold yeah. my 
weekend in abeyance based on what is going on there. Well, that's very, very good news, and we're happy to hear that. Jorna, what's happening with you? I am going to go and visit the Cape Cod of the Midwest and see my folks in scenic Door County while I train for the Door County Century in September bike ride. Well, that sounds great. It's ambitious. Uh, we are putting a, a new deck, or a, not a deck, a, what do you call it, a porch on the back of a what, what basically was a piece of tar, tar paper uh, this weekend, So the, and a little bit of racing, but uh, really starting to get focused on the fall. Kids are back in school, so uh, getting ready for that. And of course, we have some major elections coming up, so a lot of work planning and getting ready for elections, and we look forward to talking more about those elections with you coming on the next few podcasts. But with that, we're going to bring this podcast to a close. We want to thank Brian Woldridge, who makes it happen every week. And we'll see y'all next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.